Greetings, errants, glitches, breakaways, thought criminals, and genuinely open-minded and outright curious inhabitants of whatever simulacrum we find ourselves navigating at the moment. You are about to set sail on another free first hour episode of The Melt. If you find yourself wanting to dig deeper and have the desire to join the conversation during our monthly Melt meetups, you might want to consider becoming a monthly subscriber. For a measly five dead presidents per month, you can have access to full-length, early, and exclusive episodes. Just click the Patreon or Locals link in the episode notes below to create the timeline that will set it all in motion. It's suspiciously simple, altogether painless, and just might inspire feelings of bliss and or lingering euphoria. So, without further ado, let the conversations begin! This is Hunter Muse. And this is Chris Snipes. And you are listening to The Melt. of 2018, I first heard of Courtney Brown and the Farsight Institute whilst listening to a podcast. I believe it was Skeptico, and I was very impressed to say the least. By that point, I knew of remote viewing somewhat and was convinced of its efficacy, but Courtney and his team were taking it to the next level and several levels above that. Not only were they remote viewing historical events such as the death of Jeffrey Epstein, 9-11, and the crucifixion of Christ, but also events that were from our history that were in no history books, such as the downfall of Atlantis and past civilizations on Mars. If you visit their YouTube channel or check out their very own streaming service, Farsight Prime, you will find that they have an enormous back catalog of compelling documents of real-time remote viewing sessions targeting a vast amount of topics. Shortly after hearing that podcast episode some five years ago, I contacted Courtney to see if he would come on the melt before I'd even publicly released an episode of my own. He declined and said that he wasn't doing interviews at that time. I proceeded to check now and again throughout the ensuing years to no avail until last June, when he agreed to come on as he had completed some things that were requiring the majority of his time and attention. So I present to you a conversation five years in the making. I start off that conversation by asking Courtney what first put remote viewing on his radar. 
Oh, uh, well, back in the day, you're talking 1990s, I heard about the military group uh, coming out. Uh, they were leaving the military and they were coming out and uh, talking about it and offering courses and stuff like that. So I immediately uh, followed that, pursued that. Then I invested uh, that time period writing my first book, A Cosmic Voyage, which was a bestseller in its day, but people can get it uh, for free at my personal website, CourtneyBrown.com, mm -hmm. under nonfiction, speculative nonfiction. And that was good. It was very naive, but it was <laughs> fun. Uh -huh. It was a beginning of an exploration for this type of thing. I ended up not liking the procedures very well. I didn't think they were um, structured enough. I thought we could get more, do better with different procedures. So we ended up uh, having a long period of experimentation, uh, working with new new procedures. And to be quite honest, we had, uh, and I'm now being open about that, this is something we were not, I was not talking about previously, but the disclosure issue is so big now, it's become such a hot topic that uh, it was going to be a situation where m some of my opponents were gonna talk about it and define me in a bad way. So we've, uh, uh, we made the decision uh, sort of collectively, but also mostly myself to just simply give the full story behind it. We were given direct extraterrestrial assistance in the early Farsight years up to the present time and they helped us with um, our procedures, uh, our remote viewing procedures to help give them more structure to do better stuff. And we still work with them uh, closely today. So um, we had a period of time of about a year where one extraterrestrial, uh, the ship would land near one of the employees and uh, give uh, physically interact with uh, someone who would, uh, he, he would give information for that we were supposed to have the next day. And she would come into the office and just tell me exactly what was said. And I'd write it all down. And for a year, it lasted for exactly one year. And after one year, that stopped completely. But that was a lot of detailed information that we def, def, definitely needed at that time period. We were being attacked heavily. So in addition to telling us what people were doing so we could protect ourselves, we... Um, I uh, got procedures, and so that was the beginning of that process. When we were trying to come up with our own procedures, they were always a bit anthropomorphic, uh, too really oriented around normal stuff that you see in the news and stuff like that. They weren't sort of structured in sort of a non-leading generic way. So the ETs really helped us in that regard. We've had ongoing and continuous interaction. Uh, with the ETs, with our side of the ETs. So uh, it's a very highly problematic field right now because there's so much disinformation about it. But we have, that's where a lot of our procedures came from. And our procedures are, are so complicated that they they have to be done with templates, pre-printed templates. We use iPads with pre-printed templates where the viewers do their stuff. Our viewers go through a year of training full-time. They're really the best, the best anywhere. The band, that's not a joke. They're the best anywhere. They go through a year full time and uh, they use our procedures and 
Um, that's not knocking the early military procedures. It's just that we wanted to do things differently with a more highly structured uh, set of procedures. And we have a lot of procedures that we haven't talked much about, uh, but we're going to be starting to talk about that. We're, we have procedures relevant to uh, tech transfer, off-planet tech transfer, technology transfer, as well as uh, resource exploration looking for things like minerals and gold and things like that, that that companies would want to do. We have procedures for all that type of stuff, and they're all very different than anything that was done in the military. So, yeah, that's how we, that's how we got that, off-planet tech. You might call it off-planet tech. When you speak of we and our, maybe <clears throat> some of the people listening don't realize uh, or know anything about the Farsight Institute. What is Farsight. that? Farsight. Yeah. Yeah, Farsight Institute. Uh, we've had it's a it's a nonprofit research and educational institute, but it's also a for-profit movie business. Two two different companies, and the for-profit uh, is where our streaming service is is located, dominated. That's a farsightprime.com. We ran into a lot of censorship issues. We don't have any sexually explicit anything on our content. We don't have any extreme violence of any type on our content. And we don't have any political views, right wing or left wing on our content. So we have been banned and shadow banned on Google and YouTube. Not banned entirely. You can still find us if you if you search for our explicit name, Farsight. Actually, if you type for our explicit name, Farsight, in Google, you can find our apps, uh, but you can't find us very easily. Yeah, if I was saying, yeah, we were. Now, this all changed. Um, you know, when the military was forced to give um, information about the UAP or UFO stuff to Congress for the first time, I think it was June 2021. That's when it changed. That month is when it changed. Before that, we were top of the search of all search engines for uh, remote viewing or Farsight or anything like that. We were always, you know, in the top five. And starting that month, the shadow banning started. So if you if you do a search for court, if you do a search for, for for remote viewing, just remote viewing in YouTube or uh, Google, you won't find us at all. Yet we are the absolute. Yeah, you can do it right now if you want to. If you're on your your computer, just to. But um, but you. Uh, that all started that month. That month, and uh, it's and uh, the 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 issue is that. Uh, we're doing things that the uh, sort of authorities, powers to be, don't want you to see. And the proof of the matter is that uh, you can, if you do a search for remote viewing, you will get a ton of stuff, thousands of websites, hundreds of thousands of websites, but they're all junk. There's stuff that you're not going to get any sensitive information from, any good information. So we knew that was happening a few years ago. A couple of years ago, we knew that was going to happen. So that's when we started up our streaming service. And it's an absolute top-of-the-line streaming service, totally equivalent on a technical level, totally, to Hulu, Netflix, Paramount Plus, uh, HBO Max, whatever. It's uh, hosted by Vimeo, and um, it's And we have a ton of remote viewing content and, and projects on FarsightPrime.com. We are the we we have a large learning library for videos and so on, and that. Part of the content of Farsight Prime is free, and the learning stuff is free. 
uh, plus a lot of other projects. We have some a lot of projects that are up on YouTube uh, before the shadow banning and, and other things happen. We never had any projects taken down because we don't have any content that would warrant taking down. No extreme political views, no sexually, no sexual graphics, no, no violence. So they didn't have any th reason to cause us to be taken, have our stuff taken down. We never had a strike, a mm. YouTube strike Lucky for any you. of our stuff. Mm. Never. <laughs> uh, we never used copyrighted material. I mean, all that type of stuff. But, you know, we were banned and shadow banned, and, and that way you couldn't find us. So uh, we were allowed to exist, but people were not allowed to find us. So uh, that's when we started. Back, well, before that started is when we, we knew that was coming. So we started up our streaming service where we could do all of our stuff in a premier way with our own store, with our own place. And so farsightprime.com is where that is. We have over 75 major projects covering everything in the world that you can imagine. And if you go to our regular website, uh, we have our, our own server, our own websites for just a regular, that's farsight.org. The menu on the left is organized in terms of our major projects, all grouped in nice and nice uh, uh, sort of themes. So, you know, uh, for example, we have. Um, I'll just go through some of the the themes that yeah, we do. Please do. That in terms of the the, the um, uh, we have, uh, of course, uh, themes related to. Um, well, I'll talk about that in a little while, but recording, video recording UFOs. But we have themes of leadership. Uh, President Xi Jinping of uh, 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 human leadership isn't compromised. Vladimir Putin, uh, the 2024 election aftermath. Uh, I mean, Nicholas Tesla, Elon Musk, things like that. And then we have a, a whole series on the extraterrestrials themselves, the good and the bad. ET wars, wars that have happened between the ETs and our own solar system. And a lot of archaeology, uh, Noah's Ark, uh, Puma Punku, Gobekli Tepe, the Eye of the Sahara, Nazca Lines, Sodom and Gomorrah. And then religion stuff too, uh, Muhammad, Lucifer, Moses, Ra, Zeus. And then things about the human condition, uh, the nature of where we came from. And it's what we call the death traps, what happens after death. You know when you die, you hear about, you see the light and you're attracted to the light? That's part of a death trap. That's not a natural phenomenon. That's, I can talk about that later if you want. Sure. And like, and, and, and projects dealing with it, how to escape that type of a thing. And then regular ET encounters, uh, Apollo moon missions, uh, Phoenix Lights, Roswell, Area 51, uh, things like that. Um, so uh, we have a, a ton of, a ton of projects and those are all done using remote viewers at work here at Farsight. We, our remote viewers uh, work, this is their full-time job. This is what they do. And uh, they, they, you can only do it at the quality that we do it as a full-time person. You can't do it like after, uh, you can't drive a bus and then come <laughs> home and do it for an hour. And get, do it as a hobby. They have, mm. they have to do it. And we train them ourselves and they do it full-time. And uh, so that's that's our that's our remote viewers, and uh, those are the people that we work with. And we've had other people that have worked with us uh, that were trained by someone else, but they moved on. And everyone that's working, everyone that works here at Farsight is now people that are totally trained by us using technology 
that was essentially um, a hybrid technology that was we developed in cooperation with extraterrestrial help to give us what we wanted to do. Uh, working with the extraterrestrials has been very happy, pleasant for us. The, they're our side. They work on our side. They, um, the, if your audience is not familiar with the disclosure phenomenon that's happening big time in Washington, people like David Grush, whistleblowers coming out. Um, there's a, a, an effort to suppress that, but that we believe is mostly show to make it look like they're tr like it, it, it improves their credibility if the military looks like it's trying to the reality is what you're being given is what the authorities are trying to direct the how the authorities are trying to direct the conversation with respect to the host the, the aliens um they know that the authorities know that this stuff is going to come out and the strategy is when this stuff comes out direct the conversation don't you, if you try to stop it it won't work uh in fact that was the original intent with the military to release the the issue of remote viewing in the first place let the military people go out and teach it and the idea was that they'd be confined within the new age bookstore type community mm -hmm. and then it would lose credibility because it's a sort of a flaky group and the mainstream would stay away from it. Uh, I was a very unexpected element because I was a professor, am still a professor at a major university. I don't do this stuff at my university. I do, I'm a, I teach math and science courses, math and statistics courses in a social science program. But uh, nonetheless, I was a, I am a, a tenured professor in a, a major university and they were not expecting that. Mm. So that rattled, that rattled them. However, um, over time, they sort of got used to us and the initial attempts was to try to crush us. But then we ended up getting some allies within the military. So uh, the, uh, the agencies, I'll just call them agencies, I won't identify which group, but the agencies normally crush all UFO ET type interested groups or they manage groups that might develop serious interest. That's why you don't have any, MUFON is not a, you may say, well, we have MUFON. The MUFON is very small and minor relative to what it could be. So what the military, what the agencies did was typically disrupt every single group that was interested in extraterrestrial type of thing. They normally do it, they have a variety of techniques, but the main way of doing it is to send somebody young and vigorous and enthusiastic in as a volunteer, mm -hmm. And then once the person becomes sort of a necessary person within that organization, the person starts causing conflict. And mm -hmm. then people eventually start saying, this isn't what I signed up for. And, the, and then people start leaving and the group gets disordered, gets just basically the groups just fall apart or stay very small. So that's the normal way that it happened. That, that sort of that type of thing is controlled. But uh, we, on the other hand, have been allowed to after the first set of attacks, we have been allowed to um, do our own thing. And we have in fact have been protected, like seriously big time protected in ways I won't go into now, but things happened that were like, whoa. And um, so we're, we're protected on two, so two levels. I'm openly stating that we're protected on the level of somebody in the military. Uh, I won't go into details about that, but um, we would be crushed if the entire U.S. military was against us. So part of it is 
for us and part of it is against us. And the, you should not think of the military as one monolithic thing. It's a very complicated organization with people on both sides and they fight battles behind the scenes. Sure. And then we're protected also with our extraterrestrial friends who have been with us since the beginning. And I mean since the very beginning, or like when I was a kid, <laughs> that type of thing. So there has been nonstop contact, uh, physical, regular contact. And and again, we're talking about it now. We didn't talk mm. about it before because I don't want it to be mentioned by our opponents for the first time and then people to sort of get that impression. But the disclosure thing is sufficiently well well developed now that people shouldn't have a, a doubt that it does happen, that extraterrestrials are real, the UFOs, UAPs are real. But you'll notice that in the, um, the stuff that's coming out of Washington, D.C., and you have major people talking about it. Chuck Schumer, head of the Senate, he's talking about it in a big way. Marco Rubio, he's a uh, vice chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee, a senator from Florida. He's very open about this whole thing. And, uh, you know, he's one that's trying to push for more disclosure and more types and get the hearings out. And he's one who's talking about the whistleblowers and, um, and in a big way. But we have a lot of representatives also talking about it. But nobody, but everybody's talking about the suppression of the information. <laughs> and so they think that's, that's the big deal. But nobody's talking about what the extraterrestrials are doing. That's the problem. You see, that's what the military wants to prevent. That's what the guys who are on the opposite side of us want to prevent, which is what they're doing. So once you get the idea, and there's some people, I'm never going to go into any names, so please don't ask me for names. But there's some very big people that you see talking on major podcasts about the ETs, and it's always about the government, the humans are bad. The government is holding things back. We're trying to push. And all the ETs are good. The problem is humanity. That's total garbage. <laughs> those And the reason you're seeing those people on the major podcasts and on the major venues is precisely because that's the, that's what the authorities want you to see. They, they're, not, they're not opposed to that. They want you to hear that the humans are bad, that the ETs are all good that type of stuff. The reality is as above, so below. The ETs are just like us. We are ETs. We came from somewhere else, everybody, and here we are. But the uh, there's good ones and bad ones, and uh, it's a major sort of separation faction. And we go, we're, we're aligned with the group that we call the good ones, and for good reason. And the ones that are dominantly influencing the the planet right now uh, you can't say they're, they're, it's like this. The good guys who work with us have basically the hearts and mind of the people. I'll, I'll explain why that happened. The bad guys have all the leaders and the politicians, the leadership uh, in their pocket, the military leadership that they're, so you have the leadership controlled by what we call the bad guys. And then you have the populace and the hearts and minds and the good guys. The good guys, the ones that we've been working with since the beginning, have essentially indirectly been manipulating the media, uh, not the news media, but the movies, the Hollywood stuff coming out, by giving ideas to script writers when they're sleeping. And now the good guys, our side, are, I would almost call them fanatical um, adherents to the principle of free will. Mm. They absolutely demand free will. 
I mean, you really would like them just to say, the heck with free, we'll just come in and invade this place, kick the bad guys out. But they have reasons for not doing that. They're absolutely adamant about free will. And if you want to be a slave, if you want to be captured, if you want to be victimized, hey, that's your choice. But what they've been doing is they've been inserting ideas into the uh, minds of uh, script writers, mostly while they're asleep. And then when the script writers wake up in the morning, they say, oh, I got this great idea for a new show. Now, the free will ETs are totally in sync with free will. So they will not force the script writer to accept the idea. They just introduce the idea and then they let the script writer decide for herself or himself whether they're going <laughs> to propose a movie. But that's where you get the whole Star Wars, the whole Star Trek, the whole Matrix movies, all this idea about reality being sort of controlled by, you know, like the Matrix kind that there's a Matrix and you're sort of in the Matrix, but it's not really going, it's not real. Um, the, the whole idea of there being a galactic civilization, Star Wars, that there's been a galactic war. All this type of stuff is being sort of seeded in. So now when the populace is eventually going to be told about this type of stuff, it's not new to them. Oh, they've seen, they've seen all the Star Wars movies. Oh, they watched all the Star Trek stuff. They know about, you know, travel across the galaxy. So that's where that's been happening. The bad guys don't want any of that to happen, but they can't stop that. In terms of a military presence... The bad guys are totally dominant on the planet. And I can prove that. And I mean, remember I teach math and stats. Uh, so I, the, I use the word prove very seriously. <laughs> I can prove that to you now, today in the interview. Prove, I can prove it to you that the bad guys are, you know, really holding things back and so on. And, and, that, the, uh, the, and that they're dominant on the planet. The good guys are actually dominant in the solar system. They have a heavy military capability. They could, be, they could defeat the bad guys. But they can't just invade. If they invaded and tried to kick out the bad guys, the whole populace would rise up and say, my gosh, we're being invaded, help! And then our governments, which are in the pockets of the bad guys, would, you know, rise up to defend and the bad guys would give them some tech. And, and then the ETs would be trying to conquer the very people they're trying to save. And, and even if they did get rid of the bad guys, what are they supposed to do? Send everybody on the planet to re-education camps? I mean, we'd have, we'd, <laughs> we'd, it'd be terrible. So um, it's a very challenging situation that the good guys are in. So the only way to get around that is to create a revolution from below which is why they've been seeding the information into the Hollywood stuff to, tra to trigger the capability, to enable the capability of the masses to, to understand the situation and want to have a different, uh, a different way of looking at it. And, you know, they, would, they want to understand what it's like to be under Palpatine and Star Wars uh, and the Sith Lords versus uh, a free, you know, the free sort of the free side. They want you to be able to know what that's all about. But unless the public actually rises up and actually says, hey, look, we see what you've been doing. So all that has to come out in order for the public to know about it. And then once it does know about it, the people have to be sufficiently cognitively aware of those ideas, which has been, Jenna, which has been done fundamentally by the, uh, by the good guys. So anyway, yeah. 
So did you have something? Well, uh, what I wanted to ask you, Courtney, is I have uh, read Annie Jacobson's book, Area 51, and her book, Phenomena. And she talks about uh, meeting Yuri Geller and his relationship with the government. What One thing that I found very interesting about her work is that she said at one point in her book that she was talking to two agents that work, uh, two government officials, and she was basically getting two different stories from the same agency. And she said what she realized was that some of these people are for all intents and purposes, they're decent human beings. They're, yeah. they're just tasked to uh, maybe discourage a, a certain level of investigation or to sway the investigation to a certain um, direction. So she said what she realized was perhaps they were um, – maybe giving her some disinformation as a way to to uh, quash her investigation that she was doing. Do you posit that there's any degree of that in the people that you are engaged with or uh, whether they be ETs or, or whether they be actual government officials? Do you think that they do that to maybe manage perceptions or to keep control over the information? That absolutely happens. That's exactly what happens. And it's very, very widespread. You find it in all types of organizations, uh, mainstream media. If you have organizations that have sort of a, an extraterrestrial interest in the, in the populace, you will find members within that organization that specifically uh, attack and, and can sort of control the, the types of information that um, the members are sort of allowed to think about. For example, um, let me tell you the actual, the actual strategies that are done. Uh, when, when, uh, if you join an organization that has sort of an interest, that has members that have an interest in this type of thing, and, and, and the worry is that it might break out into uh, a larger into a larger audience, especially anything mainstream. The techniques are the following. Uh, the first is they uh, forcefully state fear, ridicule, and intimidation. Mm. You you know make the person say this person is a is a is a laughing stock, and that person, if you f- follow it, it's going to make us a laughing stock for everyone. And it's not gonna, so that fear and intimidation, ridicule, that type of stuff. The second thing is dismissal of all interesting idea theories in, as technical glitches or uh, crazy ideas. Uh, uh, you know, a, a favorite a favorite thing you often say is you often hear is, ah, that picture was fuzzy. It could have been a glitch. You never know what it is. <laughs> and then you have things like uh, advanced tech. Is the ET tech is very advanced. They typically fly in. In, in the atmosphere uh, over 20,000 miles an hour, or 32,000 kilometers an hour. And they say, there's no wake. I mean, there's nothing, they're not, they're, they're, they would burn up. This is crazy stuff. But they obviously have tech to deal with that kind of stuff. So so they, they say things are just crazy. Anything dealing with time, uh, um, they say is crazy. Anything dealing with ultimate, like alternate realities, different timelines, 
they say, oh, so you're saying it's done in a parallel universe. This is crazy. They ridicule absolutely anything. The idea of there being parallel timelines, multiple realities, it's called other worlds. And it's a thing that was actually developed by Hugh Herbert, a physicist who got his PhD under John Wheeler in Princeton. Uh, in 1957, and he was widely ridiculed at the time by mainstream physics. He got so upset he left physics and went into the Defense Department and became heavily involved in the nuclear weapons program and came up with, uh, he was one of the primary engineers for the principle of MAD, which is mutually assured destruction, because there were people back in that day who were actually arguing both on the military and civilian leader side for a first strike against China and Russia and he was in come and Soviet Union. And he was the one who was saying, no, you can't do that. So you know, it'll kill us all. So he was the one who came up with the mutually assured destruction. So he saved us all. Uh, anyway, but that, I, that idea of there being multiple realities is very common and normal in quantum mechanics. So the idea is that physicists have, mainstream physicists mostly, have this crazy thought that you have a line of decoherence. Like, you know, like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? Mm -hmm. Well, they have what happens in the quantum realm stays in the quantum realm. <laughs> and what happens in the macro realm stays in the macro realm and apply different rules. And Hugh Herbert said, that's crazy. That's monstrous. You can't do that. And so that's where that alternate realities came from. And then physicists say, look, how can there be alternate realities? We bump into each other. The planets would bump into each other. You can't have two versions of everything or multiple. So it was a whole new level of physics that, that, that sort of allows that to happen. And so uh, when you talk about multiple realities, the debunkers are going to say, ah, so you, may, you say something happened in a parallel universe. This is crazy stuff. They'll ridicule you. So that's it. And then they have direct verbal and written public attacks, meaning they'll write about you, or they'll state things about you by name. And then they have meetings with select members of organizations, sort of pressing the flesh, encouraging or even coercing them into stopping publication of certain ideas or diminishing things, minimizing girl. And finally, if all else fails, when you're making a presentation at a major group, they'll make noise, literally, Mm -hmm. laugh at the top of their of their lungs in order to create a dis you know a a, dis a, a a disturbance so they those are the five things they basically do forcefully stated ridicule fear and intimidation two dismissal of all interesting data and theories as technical glitches or crazy ideas three verbal direct verbal and written public attacks four meetings with select members of organizations press to flesh to get them to fall in line and five, if all those fails, when you're making a presentation, they'll make noise and uh, cause a commotion. And people, if there's a commotion going on with someone laughing at the top of the lungs, people aren't listening to you. Mm -hmm. So they do that. They do that all the time. Now that's on the uh, that's on the human physical level. However, it's uh, on the um, sort of new age level new age community level let me explain that the um the new age community is a very sensitive group if there was going to be anybody that would have new ideas come out that could eventually seep into the mainstream it would be started within the new age community so one very key one care one very key part of the repression 
process has been to control the new age community. Because, you know, just like if you have ideas coming out of Hollywood, people eventually become familiar with those ideas. If you have ideas coming out from the new age community about certain groups of extraterrestrials being hostile and describing them in detail, eventually it would seep out and it would become sort of the folklore of everybody and people that would become sort of the main dialogue. So it's been essential for the bad guys to control that. So that is why the channeling community is so completely corrupted, completely corrupted. What has happened is now the channels themselves, the human channels, essentially all of them, are some of the nicest, most honest, decent, wonderful people that exist on the planet Earth. But the information that they're getting is not from the good guys. It's yeah, from the bad yeah. guys. Sure. And the bad guy and the bad guys disguise themselves as being bubbly, happy, very positive, all types of good stuff. But the whole issue of the bad guys is to control the new age community so that the reality of what the bad guys are doing is not coming out. Mm. So that's why our projects are so important at Farsight. Um, and that's why we have them on our own streaming service. We have essentially rewritten the history of humanity. Now we know we're gonna become very big at some point, like everybody on the planet's gonna know Farsight. So our first priority has been to get that library of stuff out so people can find out what has actually been happening for the last few thousand years. Mm. And so that's what our projects are really oriented around to get that information out so that people can reinterpret and re-understand who was Ra, who was Zeus, for example. Zeus wasn't some crazy imagination of the ancient Greeks. He was a real guy. He was a prison warden and he was also mm. a serial, he was also a serial rapist. That's all he was. Earth was being run as a prison. People mm. were thrown in here. He was the guy in charge. He didn't fly around on a chariot. He flew around on a ship. And he had a serious sexual problem. He raped young girls. They, he did that for sport. He did it all the time. There was nothing good about Zeus. Same thing with Ra. And uh, and I'm and I'm talking. You know, there's a lot of people that have been heavily influenced by Ra, the Law of One. We're talking the same guy. The tune seems to change a little bit. Uh, they, you know, they come back and try to. Uh, reestablish who their repu right, their reputation is, so that they try to sort of reestablish, so they come out sounding like really good guys. But they're the same; they're the same people trying to reinvent themselves. So, uh, and the the bad ETs. If you want to know what the bad ETs are like, when they were completely unchallenged, it was during the period of the ancient pyramid days, when the the, the Egyptian pyramid days when everybody was a slave and they were building the ancient pyramids with ET tech as well. That was what ideal, that was the prison that they wanted. That was them. Mm. That was disrupted when another group of ETs that were opposed to them came in and battled them. Now it didn't actually get rid of them, but it drove them underground. So they, they couldn't act in such an overt way, but if they could act in a, an overt way, that's what they would do. And then they started going from behind the scenes. There's been a few other battles since then, but the good guys, the free will ETs can't, they really insist that people develop and make their own choices. But uh, the, going back to the, the channeling community, look at it like this. 
the free will ETs totally demand free will that you choose. And so they're, and they don't want to go into the channeling community because it's so highly corrupted. So if you have a channel that opens herself or himself up to an entity, anyone that comes along to uh, use their mind, body and voice to come up with ideas, who's going to do it? Now let's, let's look at it this way. I'm not recommending this, but let's say you took your car and you put the keys in the car and the window open and you left it parked on the street in a city. What's going to happen? They're going to be honest people that will come by and say, oh my gosh, look, they left the window open. The keys are in there. My gosh, what, what should we do? Should we call the police? I, I don't know what to do. I, just, I guess they know what they're doing and they just leave it. Who's going who's gonna, to gonna get into that car? You're going to get somebody coming by and say, are you serious? This is great. The door is unlocked. They're going to jump inside, take the keys. They're going to run. The thief is going to do it. The bad guys are going to take the car. Yep. The opportunist. Now, if, you're, if you're a channel and you're just opening yourself up and say, speak through my voice, mm. who's going who's gonna to do it? Do you think the free will ETs are going to do it? That totally goes against anything that they, uh, that they want. They, they don't want that type of thing. They, they don't want to mislead people. The bad ones are going to jump at the opportunity. And so what they have done with the channeling community is put out this incredible ton of garbage about the ETs being good, that they're trying to fight for disclosure, they're trying to help people, and that you need to, that the problem is humanity. You need to get ready. You need to be ready for disclosure. You need to be ready for uh, becoming a, to entering the realm of the galactic citizen, to become a true galactic citizen, because your galactic brothers and sisters are all waiting with open arms, waiting for you to look up in the sky and accept your heritage. That's what the channeling community is pushing out. And that this is going to happen soon. Oh, the year 2025 is a big one. Oh, then the year 2028 is a big one. 2027 is a big one. By the year 2030 is going to be big. And it just keeps, they push it out and they kick the can down the road further and further. You've been hearing these things since, uh, you know, like 2018. They said 2020 is going to be big. It actually goes way back. Remember the old days, 2012? Mm -hmm. 2012 was going to be big. They've been kicking the can down the road constantly, just keeping every new year is a new thing that, oh, it's getting closer and closer. And they'll have uh, things about, you know, uh, you know, different techniques you need to do to accept your, to get ready. And they have huge followings and stuff like that. The reality is that, and, and nowhere do you have the challenging, the, 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 ET, the um, channeling community talking about what their ETs are really doing. This entire planet is being run as a prison. And the the prison is by is really now, what happened is, uh, by the way, this is not really in dispute among people who know anything. Uh, uh, agreements were signed with the US government and some other governments and the bad ETs back in the old days, like 1940s and 50s, to do experiments here and operate in underground bases. Now you can say, Courtney, how do you know this? Well, actually, this is something that has been public record that Chaim Ashed has said. Chaim Ashed is the former director, the CEO, top of the line of the Israeli Space Directorate. That's their version of NASA for 30 years. For 30 years, he was head of the Israeli Space Directorate. He's also a famous and former general in, in Israel. 
and uh, and now he's a college professor. He po- he spoke on record about this. Now he thought he was going to get away with it, so he did it in Hebrew in a Hebrew language publication. However, it turned out that a lot of people know Hebrew, and it immediately got translated into English all over the place. He said that there's uh, that the agreements were signed, and that the extraterrestrials made an agreement to uh, to do to do experiments here. Now, what those experiments are is a cover story for a huge human trafficking operation. Huge. You're talking. You're talking. The biggest three income generators on the entire planet are uh, human trafficking. After that, uh, it's um, drugs, and after that, it's weapons sales. Uh, so, you know, that type of stuff is 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 huge. The Human trafficking is big among the ETs because that's why they're interested in the planet in the first place. You have approximately 8 billion people here. That's a huge resource. That is a huge source for a mercenary force, for prostitution, for child trafficking, everything you can possibly imagine. Everything that you see humans doing to themselves, the ETs do, and they have an entire population. There was also plans for a galactic-wide expansion and they have a huge uh, opportunity here to use these people. You also have human collaborators, many of which are in the U.S. military. Not all. There's a whole bunch of the U.S. military that's absolutely opposed to all of this. But you have uh, human collaborators that are operating with them in exchange for certain tech and stuff like that. You have a, a you have a very real. Okay, look at it this way. By the way, before the interview is done, ask me for the proof. Okay, <laughs> ask okay. me for the proof. Will do. So, uh, but the um, the um, the the human collaborators uh, look at it this way. It's now pretty much without dispute that there's been a. If you've been looking at the recent whistleblowers in Congress and listening to Marco Rubio and Chuck Schumer and and all the whistleblowers and that there is a UFO crash retrieval program within the United States government. And uh, they have had intact ships and crash ships, plus uh, what they call non-human biologics, which is weird. Those are just people that are of a different species, non-human biologics. Okay. So that they have had that for a very long time. If you were a general or an admiral, just put yourself in there. What are you going to do with an ET ship? Are you going to have all of your military personnel gather around it in a circle and sing Kumbaya all day? Seriously, what are you going to do with the ship? If you're a military general or admiral, the, there's only one thing you're going to say. You're going to say, I want it. Mm-hmm. I, I want to know. I want, yeah, I want that stuff. And they're going to be making deals. I want ships. I want to do that. So obviously there is a secret space program where, where we have, if we have these ships, put two and two together, the military wants those ships. Mm-hmm. So by this time, this is 2023, they have the ships by this time. And the last thing they're going to do is use them on the planet for like other countries to see. They're not going to ship them out to the Ukrainians to use in the Ukrainian war. They're not going to fly them over U.S. Air Force bases and things like that. That's going to be highly kept secret, but they have, they have ships, lots of them, mm-hmm. and and those ships can, you know, they can. Th- those ships are very important to them. But with the technology, you have to allow the bad ETs to do what they want. 
Now these experiments that they want is actually huge levels. It was originally thought in the agreements that it would involve small numbers of people, mostly people with uh, serious infirmities, mental mental problems, um, uh, things like that. <laughs> that, didn't, that didn't turn out to be the case. You're talking hundreds of millions of people being involved in the so-called abduction program. Mm -hmm. uh, you're talking you're just talking huge quantities of people. And a lot of human trafficking. You know how many missing people there are? Do do you think all those are just being uh, people that are walking off from you know bad marriages? I mean, <laughs> you're talking huge levels. And uh, well, that's that's what this is all about. And uh, and in the future, you having this population source of six billion human physical beings. Uh, that's a very big resource. In addition, at Farsight, we don't call, we don't use the word soul or spirit. We use the word isbi, someone who is for the purpose of being. That's who you really are. This physical body is not you. It's just something you can kill. The, it's imp we have found that it's an absolutely impossible, certifiable fact. It is impossible to kill an isbi. It is not possible for you to die. However, you can trap an ISB, you can trick an ISB, you can do all types of things with an ISB, but you can't kill it. That's why prison, that's why Earth was now being operated as a prison. It's a, it's a place where a lot of people are thrown who are just really problematic. That's why we have so many psycho people in our streets. That's why you have so many mass murderers and crazy people. There's a lot of people that in other places, they didn't want them anymore. They, mm -hmm. they were just sick, sick, and so they wanted to get rid of them. Now. And Earth, you dump them here, they can't get out. So it's a very convenient place to get rid of people you don't want. On the other hand... Can you explain uh, that? Can you explain that? So are you talking about a, soul, a body being inhabited by an entity or an energy that's come from another solar system or another place, and then it is humanized and then set out into the streets? Yes. When you are born, you are a being from another place. And those beings from another place, you lose your memory of who you were. That's mm -hmm. not normal. In other parts of the galaxy, you maintain your memory. In fact, mm -hmm. in other parts of the galaxy, when you die, you get to keep your stuff. You keep your house, you keep your friends, you get to keep your kids, you get your money back. I mean, the whole thing. Here, it's like the vultures come in and take everything. You have to write a will to decide where everything, you got to give up everything. Mm -hmm. You don't lose your memory. But in this place, it's specifically designed so that you lose your memory. That's one of our projects called the death traps. People die, they see the light. It's like a moth being attracted. And ISBI is attracted to aesthetic things. So when you see the light, you're drawn to the light. And the closer you get to it, it's like sticky stuff. The more you fight against it, the more you get trapped in it. And then once you get into it, you get exposed to an extreme level of high voltage electricity, way more high voltage than a lightning bolt, way more. It can't kill you, but it can rattle you. And it, you, there, there goes your memories. And also mm -hmm. there goes your, your normal capability of remembering things. So you become sort of an empty shell. And then it's an all automated process, all done by AI. The uh, new memories are put in, you're typically very often you're told that you've been, 
You've been working with the council and the council of elders has decided you need a few more little wrinkles in your personality to work out. You haven't quite solved the problems of what you're dealing with your kids, the personality problems, also with your parents and so on, your uncles. You need to work on this and your friendship. We think you need to go back, but you decide for yourself. And then, of course, then the person says, okay, sounds good to me. And they go back and they get born again. They start all over or it was a near-death experience. They pop back into the body. So that's the whole thing, to keep things recycled, recycled, recycled. Now, the death traps aren't quite as efficient as they were back in the ancient pyramid days because of military battles, but they're still there. They're still operating. They're extremely difficult to locate, and they're extremely difficult to dismantle. But in addition to that, um, it's not just criminals that have been put here. It's um, all creative people, musicians, artists, philosophers, scientists. You see, if you've been in a civilization that's been around a million years and they've invented everything that can be invented, the last thing you want is a creative person sort of rattling things around. Just think of yourself, Socrates in ancient Greek days. What happened to him? Now, the only thing he did was meet people at the market and ask them probing questions to get to wake up their minds to get the conversations going. They put him to death. They, they said, here's a hemlock tea, you drink it or you're banished forever. So that's what these other civilizations are like. We don't need someone changing things. We got a cash cow going here and everything is going great. Mm -hmm. And eventually, you know, these creative people, look at these artists, the hip hop artists, the physical, you know, the painting artists, all the people, the creatives, uh, Elon Musk, always trying to come up with something new. Uh, um, uh, Steve Jobs, always trying to come up with new tech and stuff. They would never stop doing that, no matter how, good you are, no matter how settled things in, they're ever going to lean back and say, oh, okay, now let's just rest. They're always going to try to disturb things and come up with new things. Eventually that disturbs society and they just want to get rid of these. So we have one of the highest concentrations of creative, interesting geniuses on the entire galaxy right here on earth because of this stuff that's been going on for millions of years. And, but we also have a large population of perverts Mm -hmm. every, so the, the kitchen sink has been thrown in here. So uh, one of the goals is once the disclosure problem happens uh, for real and people know everything, then the geniuses can be mobilized to help figure out the death traps and to both figure out how ways to discover them, to unravel them, to take them apart, dismantle them. So that's one of the things that will eventually happen. The, the bad ETs don't want that to happen. Even even ones that are only like two thirds or three quarters functioning, they want everything to, it's a way of keeping the population. So yeah, why don't we go to the proof thing? Uh, you know, in terms of, if you want to prove, if you want to show that the ETs exist, uh, that the UFOs are real and things like that, how do you prove that? Well, we have been developing our own stuff with our remote viewing procedures. That's, remote viewing is a mental process where you use highly trained people using highly structured methodologies to record perceptions that they're getting in their mind that are normally ignored by the conscious. By, by, when you walk around during the day, you ignore these things. They're intuitive things, but they're, okay. But they become really good at it after a long, it's like playing the violin. Um, sure. You sort of feel the music, but if you work on it long enough, you get good at it. Yeah. Okay, so, um, but we always knew we'd have to solve the problem of demonstrating that the stuff that we've been talking about, especially with the extraterrestrials is real. 
we'd have to prove that they, we'd have to overcome the problem of people saying that there's only a few ships out there. There one was discovered over Bolivia. We had to examine that photograph and make a congressional committee or a military task force to look at that photo, to examine it, to see. We have to overcome that crazy stuff and demonstrate that the UFOs, UFOs, are, UFOs are real. So in December of last year, someone came to us. He was a flight traffic, and now you can come up with your own story about how it happened, but he was a flight traffic control person, one of the leading flight traffic control people on the planet. He's been a flight traffic controller uh, in all the major, and many of the major airports, including for many years, Washington DC's airport, the most highly protected airspace on the planet Earth. His name is Lincoln Lounsbury. And he came to us and gave us a presentation and said, we think you should, we think you should be the ones to do this. Mm -hmm. He showed us how to take pictures of the UFOs, your <laughs> videos of the UFOs. And he put it on our computers, he brought in the video. So we didn't discover this ourselves. He showed us what he, what he thought was. Now we use uh, Panasonic Lumix cameras and it so turned out that the Panasonic Lumix GH6 had just come out last year. So he came at a time that the technology became available to us. Before that, it, now the military grade cameras, they had cameras that could do this, but humans knew in, using prosumer and, and professional camera stuff that was available to us to buy on normal camera supply stuff uh, was not available until last year. And that was the Panasonic Lumix GH6 cameras. <clears throat> And the basic thing is to get video recordings of extraterrestrial spacecraft, you need to record at a fast frame rate and an, and an infrared. So the uh, Panasonic, so what basically happened was we took, we bought, we had to raise some money. We got our Panasonic GH6s and uh, we had to send them out to be converted to what they call full spectrum cameras. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Full spectrum cameras, any camera has a digital sensor in it. That sensor has a piece of glass on top of it for all cameras. That glass is used not just for protection, but to stop any infrared and any ultraviolet radiation from hitting the sensor, because you don't want that when you're normally taking a picture. Infrared, you don't see. Ultraviolet, you don't see. And it would fog up the image. <clears throat> you don't want that kind of stuff to happen. <coughs> Excuse me. So that's what that, that glass does. So you have to have that glass removed. Now, you can do it yourself, but I don't advise it. You're going to wreck your camera. But we sent it out to a company called Life Pixel. <clears throat> there are a few other camera companies that do this, but they tend to put a, a neutral piece of glass on top of the sensor. And we didn't want that. We wanted this, the glass removed and that's it. We wanted the sensor unprotected. Uh, we are really careful with our tech. So we're not worried about the protection. We're very, <laughs> we're very tech protective. So, <clears throat> so when we had a, so we have a full sensor camera and then we use <clears throat> we use filters that go on top of the lens on the outside because we no longer have a filter that 
uh, screens out infrared or ultraviolet. We've used filters on the outside of the lens to allow us to dial into the infrared band that we want. So typically we've been, we've been using, uh, uh, mostly we use the uh, 830 nanometers band, which is what we call deep black. <clears throat> if you hold the filter up to the light, you can't see anything through it. It blocks all visible light, but the infrared can come through. So we put those filters on top <clears throat> and uh, then we shoot the sky. In addition, we shoot um, infrared, we shoot infrared at 120 frames per second. That's absolutely important. And it's also important to shoot in 4K or higher. <clears throat> 4K, the normal, when you're watching a television, you're normally, or your computer screen, you're normally watching it in 1080p. <clears throat> That's 1080 horizontal lines for the entire screen. And there's 1920, 1920 vertical lines. <clears throat> 4K is four times bigger than that. So you have 3840, um, vertical lines and you have four, basically 4,000 vertical lines and over 2,000 horizontal lines. So it's twice as big, but you're gonna crunch that down into a 1080p picture. So the reason that's important <clears throat> is these ships are generally far away and you can't zoom in with them in your camera using the zoom lens because you can't see them in the first place. You don't know what you're shooting. Yeah. So you always have to, you have to shoot with a wide angle lens. And then afterwards, when you edit the material in post, when you're editing, we use Adobe Premiere, you have to um, zoom in in post. You have to zoom in when it's on your screen to see. And so if you're shooting in 4K or, or higher, you can zoom in and you're not losing resolution because you got all those extra pixels being crunched into that small spot. And so when you go into that small spot, you have lots of pixels so you can see it clearly. So you have to shoot in 4K, but you also have to shoot in 120 frames per second because the things move so fast. So what happens is if you shoot it at, if you're in Europe or England, you're shooting at 25 frames a second, the PAL system. If you're in the <clears throat> United States, you're typically shooting, if you're in Hollywood, you're shooting 24 frames a second. If you're a normal, a normal consumer like YouTuber or whatever, you're shooting 30 frames a second. That's useless. All you're going to get is one dot. The things are going. We've we've actually had these things measured by our air traffic controller, technical expert, Glenn Gonsalisbury. He tells us the exact speeds of those things. That's what he does for a living. Those things are going 20,000 miles an hour or 32,000 kilometers an hour right over your head. You can't see them. Even if they're right in front of your face, you can't see anything that's going that fast. So these ET ships are trying to cloak themselves. They're trying to hide their presence. They're over your head in enormous numbers, nonstop, all day. Wow. And so what, what we did on our first venture out, it was January 10th of this year. We took our cameras, our newly configured full spectrum cameras with our proper lens, with the filter on top. We just put it out on my deck and said, let's see, we shot for 10 minutes. We didn't see a thing. <clears throat> there was nothing there. We take it down, we looked up, blue sky. We take it down, we put it into the into the computer. We slowed it down because 120 frames a second, you slow it down so that you can see it. And then 
they were all over the place. In 10 minutes of footage, we found 50 UFOs right above my house. Crazy. Then you can say, yeah. And so the thing is, you can say, well, uh, what? How can we do this? And you say, well, see, the debunkers are going to come out. No matter what picture you get, they're going to say, oh, it was a glitch. It was a technical glitch. It was a scratch. Uh, it was Photoshop. It was CGI. So by showing people the videos, that's not intended to convince them. So what we're doing is showing people how to take their own videos. So that's what we've become a specialist in. No sooner had we started to do this, now you're starting to get people make presentations at UFO conferences saying that there are so rare the occurrence of these UFOs that that it's you know it's very hard to actually get a video recording of it. Every time we do something, you have this disinformation coming into like UFO conferences and stuff like that saying mm -hmm. the opposite. So anyway, we, uh, we a lot of our projects involve video recordings that we have with our own cameras and many of them like over my house but also over pensacola naval air base we just released a major project of video recordings over pensacola naval air base during a blue angels show there were hundreds of ufos now you couldn't see anything except the blue angels jets until you wow. slowed it down until you slowed it down and then infrared and then you saw them hundreds of them they apparently like blue, uh, you know, air shows. Now, um, uh, I, I have done this before. I don't know if you're capable of doing this, but on my, we have these in our major projects, but we also like to, people don't, these days people are, these days people use this. Mm. These, these days people like to, you know, what's on the, uh, you know, what's on the phone. So I have converted my personal Instagram account into an account that actually has examples of some of our stuff. So on our farsideprime.com, you get the full story, you get to see them, you get, and then you get a remote viewing investigations all done on pristine video of those things of, you know, what they are doing, like, what are they doing over the Pensacola Naval, Naval Air Base? So we go into the minds of the ETs, but we also go into the minds of the, the commanders of the station, of the of the Naval Base, to know, if, to find out if they're aware of what's happening uh, right above their heads. <laughs> That's a very interesting part of the story as well. But on my Instagram account, which is Courtney Brown Farsight, all one word, Courtney Brown, then Farsight, F-A-R-S-I-G-H-C, no spaces, that Instagram account, I don't know if you're capable of doing that on your computers, but you could actually go to Instagram on your computer and actually show it like live see what right I can now. Do. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. We have, we have um, actual footage where you could actually see some of these things. So, and, and again, I'm not saying believe my picture because the debunkers are going to say it was Photoshop or CGI or glitch or whatever. What we're doing is we're telling you how to take those pictures and there's nothing that the bunkers can do about that. And the the proof, remember I said the proof? Oh, mm -hmm. go to Instagram on your computer and then go to Courtney Brown Farsight, F-A-R-S-I-G-H-T. And then you'll see my profile. And then I can guide you through a whole bunch of them and you can share your screen and show your audience <laughs> right here, right now.
Courtney, okay. it's been amazing, just as I knew it would be. Um, uh, if you could tell the listeners before we head out uh, where they can find you and your work once again, uh, that would be great. Again, there's two, we- there's two websites to go to. Of course, my Instagram, if you want instant gratification with your phone, <laughs> go to Courtney Brown Farsight, all one word, uh, and you can see some of those videos. Uh, the, the the you know the short UFO videos, but if you uh, there's two things. First, go to our normal website farsight f a r s i g h t dot org o r g, and then you can see all of our projects sort of lined up in the menu and stuff like that. Uh, you can't see the actual projects. Some of them you can, but um, you get descriptions of them and you sort of see them nicely organized. And then go to farsightprime.com. It's a really great streaming service. Mm. You know, I, I, I subscribe to Disney and Hulu and Netflix and everything. And not, you know, not all of them, but a whole bunch of them. I can't tell you how I only go. I, there's just some things that I want to see. Like in, in Disney, I really like the Star Wars type of stuff. In Paramount Plus, I like the Star Trek type of stuff. But it's, I go nine months without seeing anything on those. I have a few shows that I like to watch, but then they, they go into production and it's nine months, sometimes a year before I, the, the show, a new season starts. And yeah. I, so I pay a lot for streaming services that I end up not using very much. Farsight Prime is different. You get everything and we put up like five videos a month mm. and we, we have you know everything sort of there, all the same stuff. So you're never really sort of deprived of... You don't go nine months without anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, so you really get, it's a it's a $10 subscription service, uh, just like all of them. Mm-hmm. Actually, the other ones are oh, more yeah. expensive. Oh, yeah, they're like, they're like 16 now. Yeah, yeah. so ours is, ours is 10 bucks, actually 9.99, but 10 bucks. But you get constant new materials and it's all of this type of stuff. So it's, you're never short of anything. But anyway, but uh, you can also get a free week just by putting in your email and you can see everything. Cool. So, and, and 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 a lot of people do sign up for the for the complete free stuff, which is just like our instructional stuff and some of the free projects. But that just requires an email. But I I suggest really what you need to do is get at least a free week and look at some of the projects and watch the type of things that we have. You can't get it anywhere else. I guarantee that it's not available anywhere else. Farsightprime.com, and my regular website is farsight.org. Fantastic. What an honor and yes. pleasure it was to Absolutely, meet you. Thank Courtney. you so much for your time. It was worth the well, wait. I'll be back. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll uh, let you know when this goes live, and uh, we will we'll keep in touch. Okay, good. All right, see you, Courtney. Thanks a lot, guys. See, you, see what I mean? I wasn't good at explaining all of uh, how incredible his work and Farsight's work is, but uh, are you? is your interest piqued? Well, I'm curious because you did that uh, remote view. You started that remote viewing class. Well, you can bring that up. And <laughs> this just seems to be on a completely different level from that. Not to cast aspersions on what someone else is doing, but this, I, I am completely non. I just. I don't even know what to say. It was so good. Well, I think the the person who I took a class from, uh, their technique is more the military technique. And what he's talking about is something that he and his team tailored, which is also a question that I wanted to bring up. How are those things different? Well, he said that these... 
these uh, nefarious forces are using that other technique as kind of a as a uh, bait and switch circumstance. Yes. So that was interesting. Definitely. Uh, and if you, and we, hopefully you'll be up for doing this now, watch at least one of those sessions. It's freaking amazing how... I may need to start smoking weed again. <laughs> you won't need to after this. Weed will slow you down. You can't catch all the information quick enough. I mean, just to, we, just to be able to process what's happening. We need to subscribe to it. Anyway. But, yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. I'm in. I'm totally but in. I watched the Atlantis one. I watched the Epstein one. Um, and there's a few others that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head, but they were incredible. And I was hoping we would get more into that, but I know that he wanted to elucidate the photography techniques and stuff like that, because that's something that just kind of came to light recently. So, yeah. And that's, you know, I'm totally down for getting that set up. Like I would love that, that for sure. Can we Klarna? Klarna? <laughs> we are so doing ads for Klarna. <laughs> I've got like two grand worth of Klarna credit. So I think I'm getting can, there myself. We can Klarna together. Between the two of us. <laughs> Group Klarna. <laughs> wow. I yes. mean, I'm I'm really amazed. And again, I'm not trying to to cast any shadows of doubt on anyone else who is taking photos of orbs or any celestial or or celestial adjacent or celestial curious um, images, but this is just on a completely different level from anything I have ever seen. Like we've watched videos, we watched something recently and I won't go into much detail about it, but we watched something recently where I was looking at something and I was like, that's fucking dust. That's not, that's not what, that's not what this person is um, intending or claiming this is. This is something that... I mean, there's there's no way that it could be anything of this earth. There just isn't. Well, you mean the stuff on the his stuff footage? that yes, yeah. Well, I, I like that the, the transparency too yeah. on encouraging people to do it themselves yeah. costs a little money, but you know if yeah. you really want to, you know, Crow did it. You, we can do it. Yeah. Um, and the transparency as far as just learning remote viewing yeah. in and of itself. So you can take classes from people in the Farsight Institute, but you can also just watch tons yeah. of videos that they have uh, on on their channel. Yeah. So. And I, that's what I love about Crow is that Crow in his many, many, many uh, discussions about the lunar wave goes into detail about his equipment and how he did it and the hours he spent, you know, filming. And you really see the detail that it takes to do something like this. You can't kind of flippantly, yeah, I mean, you can fuck around with your phone, and but to really do something to this degree, you have to, the, the details are so important. And mm-hmm. I just really appreciate what Courtney is doing and how how passionate he is about this. It was amazing. Yes. 
And <clears throat> excuse me, when he was saying, I know that you got upset with me because you've been trying to get me to, it's yeah. that I listened to his first interview probably four years ago. Um, and I think it was just around the time and the melt had been going on for a short while. It was just me, uh, not Hunter. And uh, I heard him, I want to say maybe on Skeptico, I don't remember. Um, but I was blown away. That's before photographing UFOs. It wasn't as ET heavy. It was more just all about remote viewing. Yeah. And so I immediately reached out and he said he wasn't doing interview. I, I just heard you on blah, blah, blah. And then like two years later, I, I heard an interview and I was like, okay, he's doing interviews again. So I tried to contact him and he said, I'm not doing interviews. I'm like, fuck, how do I, who do I pay off to get to you? Uh, so I guess my frustration must have <laughs> come through my words. I wasn't trying to portray it that way, like I was angry at him or anything like that. I was not angry. I was just disappointed because I wanted to talk to him because this stuff to me is highly fascinating. Um, so, yes, it was a long time coming and uh, totally worth it. And I, uh, now that we have contact, we can definitely do more of these for sure. No because pun there's, intended. There's so much ground to cover. I mean... The projects that they handle, they're not just doing the Macy's Day fucking parade from Thanksgiving of 1967. They're doing like the crucifixion of Christ and the building of the pyramids. And and they weren't looking for aliens in a lot of these things. Aliens just showed up. Um, so it's interesting. He's kind of talking about re rewriting history or remapping history or reframing history. I don't know. Once you just dip into this world and see these people going in blindly, different people talking about the same target, and they come up with so many overlaps, it's hard to it's hard to deny it. It's it's incredible. I'm a believer. <laughs> and yeah, you will be cool. too. It was cool. I I just I like what what he's doing i like yeah. how he, the the technical aspect of it and i mean i had so many questions i could have i could have interrupted him a half a dozen same times here, i wanted here. to talk about jesus i wanted to talk about you know just the some the magna carta you know historical documents and and giants and there's just so much to cover uh fairies yeah for sure brownies you um, know face huggers oh no i don't want to see a face hugger <laughs> hybrids i wanted to talk to him about hybrids yes. because i just got some um x-rays and a ct scan of my head and i look like a fucking hybrid my skull i look like i'm part alien and my mother always thought that she was a hybrid, not always, but she, th that we had that, that discussion. Mm -hmm. So discuss. maybe Courtney can have someone remove you, my personal history. Well, and we're going to have Tony Rodriguez on again. Um, and I guess they did a three hour session on his whole deal yeah. and they actually may have had played a part in his story because they went back in the past and did something, interacted with what was going on there, which may have actually changed his timeline, totally changed his timeline. So 
Maybe we have both of them on at the same time. I don't know, but we're definitely having Tony on because he's got a new book. Yeah, um, I'd be curious to talk about the um, uh, Project Looking Glass and this whole new discussion of parallel universes and timelines and super string theory and what his whole thoughts are on that. And yeah, we'll, we'll go there. There's a lot, there's a lot of terrain to cover. This could have easily, this could have been another Corey Daniel. This could have been a four hour discussion easily. For sure. We'll do it again. Yeah. Good times. In the meantime, I've got to eat because I didn't have supper before tonight's podcast like I usually do. So I'm going to take care of that. But uh, thank you all so much for listening or watching, however you're taking this in. Uh, Hopefully you got as much amazing info out of that as we did. And we will continue the conversation in a a future episode. Yeah, that's going to (laughs) happen. If you would like to contact us with guest requests, recipes, whatever, um, the Mel Podcast at protonmail.com. I also wonder if he has his remote viewers, remote view podcasters before he goes on the show, like to say whether or not he should go on their show. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. He just emailed me. So maybe there's some info containing that. You can reach me, too. At? (laughs) Hunter-Muse at ProtonMail.com. And if you're watching this on YouTube, we encourage you to follow us on Rumble because we're currently, probably not when this comes out, but we have two strikes on YouTube. So we're going to get axed from there uh, at any moment. So Rumble, uh, Odyssey, I'm in the process of doing that. Also in the process of porting all of our content that is behind a paywall to locals. People have been having problems with Patreon. They're going to access someday probably to anyway. Locals is much more um, amenable to our type of information. Yeah. So, But in the meantime, smash that like and subscribe button. Yes. <laughs> All right, fair folk, we love you. Take care of yourselves. Yeah. And until next time. Do it. Do it, do it. (laughs) Thanks so much for making it this far. If you've liked what you've heard and you are thus inspired to contribute to the well-being of the melt, there are a few easy ways to do that. The most tangible being financially, which can be achieved by clicking the Patreon or Locals link in the episode notes, and then you will be led through the process for starting your monthly subscription for a mere $5 a month. This will give you access to exclusive episodes, full-length episodes, and you can participate in our monthly Melt meetups where we can congregate together as a community and often get a chance to talk with some of our guests more intimately. Another way to help out would be to go to wherever it is that you listen to The Melt and either leave a favorable review or rating. You can also spread the word via sharing and recommendations to friends and family, either in person or virtually. And lastly, if none of those options are readily available or appealing to you, simply send your positive thoughts and intentions. In an interconnected and quantumly entangled multiverse, these also go a long way. 